Six years ago, I stumbled across a new television series that the first episode kind of caught my attention. I thought I would give it a try. It's hard for me to get hooked on a new TV series. It seemed really simple to start with. Uh, It told the story of these four individuals and their families. In that first episode, you meet Kevin, and you meet Kate, and you meet Randall, and you meet... Uh, You meet Jack and his wife, Rebecca, and Rebecca is very, very pregnant in that first episode. And I enjoyed the stories, their individual stories, and I kept thinking, what what are they doing here? Who are these people? What is their connection? Are they somehow going to bring this group of people together? And then towards the end, in in one scene, if if you've watched it, there's one scene towards the end of that first episode where suddenly everything comes together. And I remember... Six years ago, but I remember exactly where I was. I was standing in the kitchen, probably getting a snack, watching it on my iPad, and I had to stop and go back 10 seconds and go back another 10 seconds and restart it and ask myself, did they, did they just do what I think they did? And they brought this entire group together and suddenly you realize they are a family. And as those connections in that first episode... As those family connections were revealed, I I found my heart broken and overjoyed at the same time. And so for the last six years, I've let the Pearson family break my heart again and again and again, week after week. And it wasn't just that I enjoyed the stories, I I felt connected to some of their struggles because you, you relate to what they're going through if you've watched the series you relate to Jack's untimely death and you think about losses in your family. You think about Rebecca's struggle with dementia. You see relationships that, that blossom and then relationships that failed. But in the middle of it all, even in the worst times, there was this commitment to family that held them together. And I think that's something that the fans wanted in their own lives in a world where we are we are more and more disconnected from the people around us. We want, we crave those connections. You know, that was six years ago, and I think that's, that's a bigger problem today than it was six years ago. I think that's something that's more apparent in our world today than it was six years ago. It's in the language we use that divides us. We use language that tells us who's in and who's out. We define people by their politics, their proclivities, and, and, and by, uh, by, the, by their worldviews. And we tell, we tell each other who's in and who's out. We say things like, that person's a conservative. That person's a liberal. And then when we get a little bit more involved, we say, that person is a right-wing nut job. That person's a bleeding heart. And we use language like that. Our words divide. Our words tell us who's in and who's out. Who stands with us and who is against us. And then we bring those words into the church. And we define other, we define other believers by those words. And those kinds of definitions and those kinds of divisions, they do not belong here. As we open our Bibles, we don't find language that divides Christians. We find language that unites us. Language that tells us who we are together. About the life that we share together again and again. The the words that we see in the Bible tell us that Jesus has brought us all together 
for His purposes. And when we, when we focus on what separates us, when we focus just on those differences, we forget what He has done for us. This isn't about those people over here. It isn't about those people who do that. This is us. It's about us. We need to reconnect with our shared identity in Christ. We need to reconnect with who we are together. We have to confess that we've let the world divide us. We've let the world divide Christians. We've let politicians and preachers pull us apart. I think we need to repent. Because sometimes we have loved our distinctions more than we've loved what connects us, even who has connected us. And so this summer, we're focusing on who we are together. We're relearning the language that the Bible uses about the life that we share. And so whether you're a fan of the show or not, maybe you've never even watched the TV series, that won't matter, but the title, the title, the phrase, this is us, calls us to look beyond other distinctions and look at the terms that the Bible uses. We're going to look at the terms that God uses for His people, the terms that Jesus uses for His followers, the terms that Paul used to describe the life that we live together. We're going to learn those words and we're going to see who we are called to be together. You know, when you read through the book of Acts, the very first term that the followers of Jesus use to describe themselves is not Christians. They don't call themselves Christians first. It's not even the church. They don't call themselves the church. They refer to themselves as followers of the way. You read through the book of Acts, that's the first term that the Christians adopt for themselves. Followers of the way. And I love that name. I love the image of being the way because it puts us in motion. It tells us that we're on the way. That we're following Him. We're going somewhere and we're going there together. And we're following the One who loves us. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 today. Hebrews 10, verses 19-25. through 25. If you've got those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 1007. If you're using the Bible app, you can pull that up and type in the zip code for Kansas, Illinois, and it will take you to the sermon notes and the Scripture references that we're looking at today. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. 19 starts with the word therefore. Why is there a therefore? What is the therefore therefore? The therefore is there because in the previous verses in chapter 10, the author has told us about the sacrifice that Jesus has made for all of us. For once and for all, He has sacrificed Himself to open the way for us to come to God. And so He begins in, or continues in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter this holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another along, how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. This passage begins with a clear statement of what Jesus has done for us. He has opened the way for us, a new and living way for us to come to God together. And so, this is us. This is us, confident in our faith. So you look through this passage, there are three statements that use the words, let us. They use the word us there. Three statements in this passage that tell us who we are together. Us statements. And each passage is not about something that we have done, but about what Jesus has done for us. Verse 20 kicks it all off by a new and living way that He opened for us. He opened for us through the curtain. That is, through His flesh. So because of what Jesus has done for us, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, in the world of the Hebrews, there was only one who could draw near to God. And that was the high priest. The high priest was the one who was allowed to draw near, to enter the Holy of Holies behind the curtain and step into the presence of God. In order to do that, he had to be from the right family. He had to be from the right tribe. He had to be the one chosen. And he had to have prepared himself. He had to have washed himself. And, and he had to have lived this pure life, this life of purity. He had to be ritually pure, confident in what he had done for himself. But here, the author says, no, no, no. This is us now. Confident in our faith. Trusting in what Jesus has done for us. There's a, uh, there's a particular loudmouth preacher that you see every now and then on the news. There's this loudmouth preacher you see every now and then on the news from time to time. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's out there. and Some of you would be familiar with him. A couple of weeks ago, he made the news again when he stood there in his pulpit in front of his church and, and announced very, very loudly, I will not duplicate his volume, but he tends to shout all the time. He said, you can't be a Christian and vote this way in this country. You cannot be a Christian and vote this way in this country. And he's, he's drawing a line there that Jesus never drew. He's drawing a line that Jesus did not give us. He is putting up a, a wall where Jesus opened a door. And he announced that, and his crowd, his, his, his crowd shouted back, Amen. And he asked for more Amens. And then he said, For the rest of you that didn't Amen, just get out. Again, he's drawn a line that Jesus never drew. We have to be so careful about that. We have to be careful about drawing lines of who's in, who's out, of making those divisions. It is Jesus who opened the new and living way through His flesh, through His sacrifice. We don't dare tell Jesus that was good enough for us, but it's not good enough for those people. That may have worked for us, but they're going to need to do something extra. The earliest expression of this life that we have together is called the way. And, and it is a way that we travel together. It takes us back to John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist's announcement of his, of his ministry, his announcement of the coming of Jesus. 
At the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Mark reminds us in verses 2 and 3, he quotes from Isaiah and he says of John, Behold, I am sending my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make His path straight. We don't put our faith on our own path. We don't put our faith in our own path. We put our faith in His path. It's not what we have done, but but this is us. Confident in our faith. Confident in the path that He has opened for us. That faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross, that faith continues to move us forward together in His way. It carries us into the unknowns of this world. It it carries us into the unknowns before us with a hope that is fastened to Jesus and fastened to us together. And so this is us. This is us holding fast to our hope. That second us statement in verse 23 is the in this passage it, it the, the first statement tells us what Jesus has done for us but then the second statement looks ahead at what's happening next at the troubles that might be ahead you got to remember that these early believers these early believers that this letter is written to they were suffering persecutions in fact the very first time we hear the phrase the way applied to the Christians It's in Acts chapter 9 where a man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, remember him, Saul of Tarsus is looking for papers to arrest the believers, to take them into custody. It says in verse 2, if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so what Jesus has done for us must fill us with hope that holds us together. Verse 2, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. It's here that we're called to find our identity together as we hold to the hope that we confess. And what is the hope that we confess? Is our hope in what divides us? No, of course not. And yet more and more, more and more what I hear people confessing is is what divides us, what separates us, the, the divisions that we have. And so some group over here gets blamed for something. We point fingers at somebody else and lines are drawn up and, and Christians can get sucked into those kind of distinctions and those kinds of divisions because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. We take our attention off the One who is faithful and we put our hope in what we are and, and what we've done. John the Baptist came preparing the way for Jesus, making His path straight. And then we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus is preparing His disciples for His death. And He says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Bad things are going to happen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Verses 4-6, through He says, you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to Him, Lord, we do not know where You are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. When we hold together, when we confess who He is together, when we recognize His faithfulness, this is us. Holding fast to our hope and holding to it together. 
And that's such a vital, such a vital component to our hope that we hold to it together. It's not enough that, that you have hope. It's not enough that, that you have hope, that I have my own hope. We need to share it. And that's, that's what we see in the next verses. In the next verses, we see this is us encouraging each other. I have to tell you, verses 24 and 25 have been on my heart well since 2020. Verses 24 and 25 have been on my heart for a, for a long time. We need to hear the encouragement of these two verses and the conviction that comes from this passage. And whether you're here in person, whether you're with us online, we need to hear these for ourselves, but we also need to hear them for each other. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. It's not just about us who have the same faith. It's not just about us who have the same hope. It's about the life that we are going to do together. And I hope you can hear what's being confessed in this verse. This is the first century. Jesus' resurrection has not been that long ago. That, uh, that, that There are people probably still alive at this time who knew Him, who walked with Him. And already, there are those who aren't coming to church anymore. There are those who aren't gathering together. They've stopped coming to the gatherings. They've stopped worshiping together. And why have they stopped worshiping together? Out of habit. Just out of habit. You know, it, it's, not a, it's, not about a, it's not about a disease. It, it sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, I, I've hardly... I've hardly heard of any churches at all that have bounced back from, from low attendance after COVID. Most churches are experiencing, most churches, I, I, people I've talked to right now are telling me that, that attendance has never recovered since COVID. And there are some people who are staying away because of their health, and that is very understandable. We can certainly understand that. They're worried, but there are far more people who will admit that they're staying away because, well... We just got out of the habit. We got out of the habit of going. And we're so glad that, that we can provide for people online. We're so glad that, that you're able to be with us like this, but, but not being together, us not being together, it's just not the same. And this verse reminds us we need each other. One way or another, we have to gather together. We have to encourage each other. We have to encourage each other to look towards love. We have to encourage each other towards good works. And he says, all the more as the day draws near. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, things are bad now, but you know they're going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. If we're not holding together now, if we're not standing firm as one now, what are we going to do when things get worse? A couple weeks ago, I was, I was over at Starbucks. I was working on my sermon series and putting things together and sitting there with my friend Whit Lowers. Some of you might know Whit. Whit preaches over at Home Church. and He was sitting there working on his sermons. And I said, Whit, what are you doing for the summer? He said, I'm going to be preaching on Proverbs. I said, I did Proverbs last year. And I gave him some of my notes. I said, here, you, you just preach this. You'll be okay. And Whit says, what are you doing for the summer? I said, I'm doing a series called This Is Us. And if you know Wit, he gets very kind of 
emotional. He says, oh man. He says, my wife got me watching that show. He said, it, it just rips my heart out. I sit there and bawl every week. And, and I said, I know, I do too. You know, we, 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 we watch that and, and we get very, very emotional over it. And while we're sitting there talking about it and wondering because we've got two more episodes to go before the series is over and we're wondering what's going to happen. Across the way there on another table, there's two women and they're talking about this is us. And, and so I yelled over to them and they started talking to us and, and we kind of formed ourselves a little support group right then and there. You know, We all got together because we were all going through a really, really rough time. And we didn't know each other, but we supported each other and we said, you know, we, we need to talk about this a little bit. That's what happens when we're together. That's what happens when we're able to be in the same place together. We can encourage each other. We can support each other. We can help each other through I want you to hear these words again. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit. You hear that? It's not about a disease. It's not about, it's not about difficulty. It's not even about, uh, about some infirmary that's keeping you away, infirmity that's keeping you away, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is us. This is us encouraging each other. And it all comes down to the strength that we find when we're together. The support that we find when we're together. Holding fast, holding fast to our hope is easier when we're holding fast to our hope together. It is easier for us to confess our needs and it's easier for us to confess our failings when we know that we stand together. We can have a greater assurance of our faith when we know that it is a shared faith. It is essential that we understand the Christian life is meant to be a shared life. That's how it works. The faith that draws us to Jesus also draws us to each other. And so this is us, following Jesus together, walking with Him in His way. And as much as we might be tempted to say, I can do this on my own, I've got my own Bible, I've got my own time, I've got my own little Jesus over here, as much as we might be tempted to do this on our own, and as much as our world might tell us you don't need those people who think different than you, you don't need those people who look different than you, you don't need them, we need each other. And we're called to follow Him together. So let's lay down those things that divide us. Let's lay down those things that pull us apart. And let's lift up the One who holds us together. I'm going to sing a song here in just a moment. I, I love this song that we sang as we're, as we're preparing for communion. It is so easy, especially now, because we've all got our own little cups. <laughs> we've all got our own little crackers. You know, it's got my own little got my own little communion right here. It's so easy for us to think this is just me and Jesus time. And forget this is this is us. This is what we do together. We call it communion because in this we commune with one another. We commune with him. It is communion because it's something that we do in common. And while we may have our own little foil wrapped cups, we share this together. We share 
our Savior. We share our faith. We share our hope. And we encourage one another. Communion is a this is us moment. And this will always be us. Let's say. Let me let me pray first, please. Sorry. Father, we we want to confess before you our divisions and confess before you those times when we have allowed this world and we have allowed our attitudes, we have allowed others to speak into us and separate us. And we recognize those were not your voices. And so instead we hear you. And we hear the call to stand together, to stand as one. And as we are in the way, we hear the call to move together as one. Lord, thank You. Thank You for these brothers and sisters that You've called us to be in relationship with. And as we take the bread, as we take the cup together today, we not only remember the sacrifice that saved each one of us, but the sacrifice that made us family, that made us one, that draws us together. Lord, help us to live knowing that this, this, is, this is us and our faith is about who we are together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.